the Tennis IQ Podcast with me, your co-host, Brian Lomax. And I'm Josh Berger. When talking to young players, many of them have hopes of playing college tennis. But what's it like to be on a college tennis team? What's it like to coach a college tennis team? Tennis is a sport of individual athletes, but in college, a coach somehow has to get them to embrace being part of a team environment. Our conversation today is with someone who excels at creating a great team culture in college tennis, Bob Dallas. Bob is the head coach of the Dartmouth Women's Tennis Program, where he is entering his 19th season. Prior to that, he was the men's and women's coach at Colgate University. And before that, he was the men's coach at Boston University. Bob is a four-year member of the BU tennis team, and he also played on the professional circuit. He completed his doctoral degree from BU with a specialization in sport and exercise psychology. And the fact that he has a sports psych degree was one of several reasons why we wanted to talk to Bob. And if you're someone who wants to play college tennis, or you're a college coach, or you want to coach college tennis, I think you have to listen to this conversation. There's just so much good stuff here. So with that, let's listen in to our conversation with Bob Dallas. Well, our guest today on the Tennis IQ podcast is Bob Dallas, the head coach at Dartmouth for women's tennis. And I'm excited for this conversation and uh, for a, a few reasons. You know, One is I was recently listening to a podcast episode from the Sports Psych Show that Dan Abrahams does. And he had on as a guest, Gareth Mole of Condor Performance. And they were talking about some predictions for the sports psychology world in the next 20 to 30 years. And one of them was that the head coach of some team would be a sports psychology professional. And it made me think that we've already got some of that going on in the sport of tennis. And I thought about Bob Dallas. I thought about Alan Fox. There may even be some some others out there. So um, I want to welcome you, Bob, to our, our, our podcast today. We're really looking forward to talking to you. Well, thanks a lot for having me on and, and you know, looking, looking forward to it. Excellent. So if to begin, if we could just have you talk about your background in tennis uh, as a player, as a coach, you know, how, how you basically arrived uh, where you are today. Sure, sure. I mean, you, you know, certainly my, my path through junior tennis was, you know, probably a little bit later than, than some people, but, um, you know, played junior tennis, you know, through junior high, high school. Um, Grew up playing most every sport, figured out, hey, tennis is something I really enjoy, really love, love the one-on-one of it, um, you know, love that you controlled the outcome, uh, wasn't up to any of, you know, anybody else but but you, um, and then was, you know, fortunate to go to, to Boston University, play there for, for my four years, um, and then, you know, we, I got to play for a couple of different coaches, Stan Mescon, who's, who's still in the Boston area with New Balance, and then John Officer, who was a longtime coach at Navy, and then Carl Ingard. Um, and then I was lucky enough for, to be the, the head coach and starting in 1987, a year out of college. Um, so as a 23-year-old head coach, getting to make all sorts of mistakes and um, you, you know, figuring things out. Uh, and at that time, uh, I was the head coach at Boston University and talked to Dr. You know, Len Zikowski, who ran the sports psych program at BU and 
said, hey, I think I'd like to get a little more education. What do you think? And he said, come on aboard, you know, basically signed it up. And, um, you know, I was I was fortunate enough to, to sort of go through the program for a long time. <laughs> I think it took me you know, maybe 11, 12 years to, to finish, to finish up. Um, I think there was people who, uh, started after me were actually on my dissertation committee. <laughs> wow. So, uh, Adam Naylor, uh, who's a, who's a good friend and was someone I actually taught tennis to in my tennis teaching career when he was in college, all of a sudden he's on my dissertation committee. Um, so, you know, it's definitely, it was definitely a long journey. Um, but yeah, I was able to, you know, coach and, and also get the, you know, get a, a an EDD in, in sports site. Yeah, that's fantastic. And then, um, you know, you've now ended up at, at Dartmouth. And, um, you know, one of the reasons that, uh, you know, you actually were suggested as one of our guests by, uh, someone who, really respects your ability to create team culture, team cohesion. And and I had noted to her that, you know, when I had seen the Dartmouth women compete, it was always with this sense of poise and 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 mental toughness and, and so forth. Can you talk a little bit about how one creates culture in a team in a, in a sport that really is individual? Not all tennis players come to college with a lot of background as as teammates, especially on the women's side. For sure, um, I, I I I think you know that's been. I'm going into my 19th year at Dartmouth, um, and that's something that it's easy to say that we t- we identify in recruiting but it's something that we talk about in recruiting. So I don't necessarily believe I have a high degree of ability to identify, oh, that's someone who's going to be, you know, really good in a, in a team environment, but we talk about it a great deal of you're coming, you're coming to play college tennis. You're coming to play on this team. This is what our team is about. Um, you have you have really certain responsibilities when you come onto the team, which is, you know, basically with how you practice, how you play, what your attitude is, how are you making your teammates better, how are you making the environment better, um, and if that's something that you want, well, then this is the the you know maybe the right place for you, um, and. The next piece of like, hey, how do you have culture? How do you, you know, what are we doing? Is really making sure in, again, in recruiting and in talking to, you know, as they're coming to the team, that they're coming because they want to be at Dartmouth. Um, And that's where I've learned from the mistakes I've made, where people are like, oh, I really want to play tennis for, for you. Or I, 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 I think you can help my game um, versus I really want to come to Dartmouth and I really want to play tennis as well. Um, you know, so, the, the, you know, those, so you kind of learn a little bit from your mistakes. 
then once, you know, once we're, you know, sort of forming our group, you know, one thing, again, we, we talk about from day one is it's really hard to get in our team room, right? How do you get into our team room is number one, you're a really high level student. Number two, you, you're, you're a high level sort of person in terms of how you go about your comp, you know, you're competing, how you go about your day-to-day life, um, maybe how, how you, you know, sort of treated your, your family, what you were like on your visit. And then the third piece is obviously you're a very good tennis player. And if you, and if you start putting that Venn diagram together of those three pieces, that's a pretty small chunk, right? So we, 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 again, we come back to that all the time because we're, we're, we're saying to them, Hey, it's really difficult to get in this room. So now make sure that we're treating this room and this team and your teammates in, in that way of like that, this is, it's pretty special. And now how can I make it, how can I make it better? Um, and that's, you know, that's really the, the biggest piece in creating that culture. Um, yeah, there's things you do day to day in practice. Um, I think there's, a we do a lot of, of talking at the end of practice every day where we'll ask one or two of the women, Hey, what, what was, what was good in practice today? What'd you like? Um, what was helpful? Um, and then also maybe something that, you know, if if they're willing to share what wasn't as helpful, um, what wasn't as good. And, you know, as you go through this, the year, people do get a little bit more comfortable saying we could have practiced a little better today or, Hey, this person really helped me out a lot in practice. I was having a rough day and she said to me like, hang in there or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. Cause um, you know, if we can create that environment where the, the players are policing each other and the players are, are really helping each other, that's, that's way better than my voice and my assistant's voice. Um, yeah. I think you're hitting on a couple of key aspects of, you know, what elite teams do to create great team culture, which is, you know, sort of an autonomy supportive environment, right? So you're getting the feedback of the players. Um, And then also that character building. It makes me think of, uh, there was a study done about uh, the New Zealand uh, national rugby team, the All Blacks. They have this saying that uh, better people make better All Blacks. Right. Right. And I, and I think that that's that's certainly true of a, a sport like tennis, where you are bringing a collection of individuals together to try to be a team. Yep. And it again, it's it doesn't mean it you know it happens a hundred percent, but you know that that's sort of that's sort of the idea that we're we're trying to trying to get, um, and then we're going to also sort of talk from even in the recruiting process is in competing for Dartmouth. How are you representing Dartmouth? Mm -hmm. How are you, you know, you know, in your match, you only can score your point, right? The idea is we're trying to get, we're trying to get four points, but you, you only can score your point. However, you can actually have a negative effect on other other points with 
what you're doing on the court, how hard you try your sportsmanship. It's, it's a weird, it is a weird thing. How you, how you play, how you carry yourself. You can't really necessarily help your teammates play better, but you can make them play worse. If you're being a, if you're being a jerk on the court, there's a tendency then for your teammates to play a little bit worse. If you're the person who's, who's moping around, if you're the person who can't be relied on when you're down a set and, you know, three, one to kind of try to really hang in there and, you know, give it your best effort. You know, we know like no one sets out to lose a match, right? No one sets the goal of today. I'm going to lose. Today, my goal is to play terrible, right? No one, no one says that, but now it's, okay, how do we deal with the fact that things aren't going to go, aren't going our way today, okay? Can you stay out there five minutes longer? Can you stay out there 10 minutes longer? You know, the person on the other, you know, the person on the other side of the net is a human being too with their own sets of fears and foibles, okay? And what happens there? So those, you know, that's, that's something that, again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. And that shows up a lot in practice, right? Because it's way easy to be very negative, to be very, you know, mopey in practice. Oh, it's just a practice. Oh, I'm playing a practice set. Uh, you know, the millions of excuses that come in. Okay, well, what are you doing today to try to make your – your teammate on the other side of the net a little bit better? And then what are you trying to do within practice to make the left and right, you know, the, the court to the left of you, the court to the right of you, just a little bit better? Because, again, it's really easy to bring a practice down. It's not, it's not super easy to bring a practice up. Um, you know, the, the only way you can really bring a practice up and, and, and create a higher level practices kind of with how hard you're playing um, that, you know, that sort of level of positivity. Um, and it's, that still doesn't mean that message is going to be received a court and a half over. Um, but the, but the negativity message, wow, that's a, that's a loud broadcast. Um, so, you know, that's something again, that we, we talk about, we really will, uh, make a point within practice of people who are doing a good job of of their positivity and and competing and giving it their best, um, and you know also you know bring it up to the people. Hey, you just you can do better than that today. You can you know you can do a little bit better than that, um, and, and going from there. So from a so yeah. So that reminds me, actually, of a conversation I had with one of your players, Bob, but maybe about four years ago, um, I was at one of your team matches, and um, there was a definite difference between the behavior of the Dartmouth women and the behavior of the other team. And uh, so I talked to your number one player, and I, 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 I mentioned that difference to her, and she said, well, I think a big part of that is because we go through positive response training with our coaches. Is that something that you could talk about a little bit more specifically? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, 
I, I think it's again really acknowledging within practice that you've done something well, you've done something good, you've hit a good shot. It's okay to acknowledge that, right? In our sport, it's so easy to acknowledge the 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 misses, the mistakes, but it's really hard to say, I hit a good shot. That was whatever the drill is like, Hey, I, you know what? I'm, I'm working on hitting serves. That was a good serve. Wow. That serve went right, you know, right, right to the target. Um, acknowledging that you did stuff well is, is really important. Um, giving the, the players, and this one's really hard, <laughs> doesn't always work is giving them the freedom within a practice set or baseline game, whatever to fist pump to say, come on, you know, again, it doesn't have to be like you're shouting it to the rafters, but just acknowledging like, yeah, I, I did something pretty good. Um, because you have to practice that, right? If you're not used to saying I did something well, that was a good shot. Well, again, the negativity, it's way easier to be negative. Don't miss that shot. All the, all those things really hard to practice. Like, yeah, that was a good shot. Wow, I really stayed through that ball, or you know, whatever, whatever cues that you've been working on, things that we've individually been working on. So, um, so yeah, we we've you know we sort of we sort of challenge people to just say acknowledge it, and um, the other thing is to acknowledge your your teammates' good shots. Um, getting used to giving your your teammate a little bit of feedback rather than. I'm so bad. I shouldn't have hit it there. I can't believe I missed that shot. Hey, that was a good point. Nice shot, you know, nice shot. Right. And we all, we all like to hear that, right. We all like to hear, Hey, well, I'm doing something good. And now I hear it from my teammate. Yeah. Not, not always the easiest thing to do. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that's always a, a work in progress. Absolutely. And, uh, Really, really great to hear about um, your background and also how how you encourage um, play college players, which as you know, people are coming from an individual background all throughout their juniors and then coming into this team environment and how you can encourage them to um, to complement each other and to um, encourage that people fist pump or people show that positive emotion during practice. Um, my question is, how I, I know your your dissertation, your doctoral dissertation, was a lot about how to build elite tennis players and systems and how to help create um, elite tennis players. How, how does that um, research that you did in that dissertation fit into um, your coaching philosophy and coaching coaching style? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> on the one hand, it. it because the, you know, the, the dissertation was the design and implementation of elite training system for tennis, basically how to build a, a top 200 level player from ages eight to 18 or eight to 20. Um, the developmental piece doesn't really apply too much to what we're doing on the college with the college players. Right. Um, what I view in development, you know, developing college players once they're here in that 18 to 22 range is getting players, number one, to identify 
what they do well, what their strengths are, what if it, and then if we can go further and go, hey, what patterns of play do they excel at? And then acknowledging, and this is the one that's really hard, that maybe they're not as good at X or they're not as good at Y. And rather than obsessing over what they're not as good at, kind of stay away from that, right? If, if you know, if, if Andy Murray likes to hit his backhand cross-court passing shot, you know, we kind of know that's where he likes to go. Well, he doesn't obsess that he doesn't go up the line, right? He hits it cross-court and he makes the guy deal with it. And, you know, it's sort of like the same thing for us is acknowledging what we're good at making sure we we continue to work on that and then try to get our what we're not as good at a little bit better. So we're, we're, what we're always trying to do in, in developing players in college is adding shots to their game, right? Whether it's, whether it's okay, let's add, you, you know, your forehand up the line. Let's, let's add that shot. You don't really have that shot. Let's add it. And then, like, make sure you know when to use it, not on the four-all no-add point, right? Like, show it at 3-1, 30-love. Go ahead, hit your forehand up the line. Four-all deuce? Unless we've done a great job, right? Unless we've done a great job and now you own that shot and you're like, hey, this is, my, this is a strength for me. Different. But, you know, sort of that, that stuff that we're working on, you know, from a – a developmental standpoint. Um, Josh, I'm not sure if that's what you, you were driving at, but. Uh... No, no, that, that makes sense. And I know just from, from taking a look that um, it is, it is, as you said, about uh, developing really elite players that, that reach the highest levels of the sport, top, top 200 ATP and WTA. Um, but yeah, just, just curious how, you know, if certain pieces of that fit into, um, as we talked about the, um, the, the mental skills training within, within the college team? Yeah, I, I would say certainly from the, the, the mental side, um, you know, I, I would say number one, coming up with, because they are, you know, tennis is still an individual sport, coming up with ways for players to be able to be positive, um, to, to deal with, um, the, the, the mistakes, the, the, you know, obviously people, we talk a lot about how do you stay in the moment? How do you stay in the present? How do you, how do you work on playing each point separately? Right. How do you, you know, how do you deal with all that stuff that happens, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's a bad call, whether it's a bad, bad luck, whether you, you made a bad decision and, 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 you know, chose the wrong shot at the wrong time and, you know, it cost you the game or the, or, or the set. Okay. Now, how do you, how do you really do, do a great job of regrouping? Um, those kind of things, you know, that's where we might spend a little bit of time just talking about it, whether it's um, individually or in a team setting. I mean, I think that's, that's where, we do a lot of individual work with the women on the team. They have a regularly scheduled time. And a lot of times our individual work might be looked at it like, Hey, they're not necessarily hitting a ton of balls. 
right? There's other times where you're hitting a ton of balls, but there's times where we're just kind of sitting there going, okay, you know, how are you going to react to this? What are you doing well? What do you look like when you're playing well? Okay. What are the things that, what are the things that bother you when, when you're playing? Can you, can you acknowledge, you know, scenarios that give you trouble and just, just acknowledging that and then trying to work on skills of, of saying, okay, Hey, you know, this is what I'm going to try. I mean, I heard, I heard Mary Jo Fernandez talking yesterday in the open. She goes, yeah, when I was serving for the set, I used to try to, I'd pretend I was down four or five. Right. Instead of, she goes, you know, so then I wasn't worried about serving the set out. I was worried about trying to stay in the set. Okay. And if that worked, you know, if that works for Mary Jo, that's great. That's great. Where, you know, she was, you know, sort of saying, okay, I'm not trying to do this. I'm trying to do this. Perfect. Um, You know, for us, it might, you know, I, I talk a lot about, you know, knowing what you want to do, acknowledging where you are. Are you nervous? Yeah, I'm nervous. Okay, well that's okay. What are you gonna What are you gonna do about it? Can you can you know? And we've practiced. Hey, can you breathe? Do you know how to thought stop? Do you Do you know how to, you know? We've talked about visualization and maybe done some visualization. Okay, can you visualize what you want to do? Um. You You know what What's making you nervous? Oh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, shaking hands at the end of the match and how good that's going to feel. Okay. Or, 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 you know, well, are you, are you focused then on this point or are you focused somewhere else? You know, and those, you know, those things you, you have to, you have to practice, you have to acknowledge it. And then you have to come up with ways to practice things within practice where you're doing scenarios where maybe that occurs and and then you know again unfortunately that also just shows up in matches right because no matter what you do in practice you can't you know sort of model a match there's just certain certain emotions certain you know levels of anxiety that you're just not going to get within a practice you can get close um and certainly within a practice if you can't successfully execute that in a practice there's no way you're going to do that in a match right if you're getting distracted if you're getting you know hey it's a no ad point in practice and and your anxiety levels going through the roof well great <laughs> okay that's that's good because that means you're you're invested in your practice um you know versus just saying gosh i lose all the no ad points okay so yeah, I think yeah. that you're kind of hitting there, Bob, on something we've been talking to some of our other guests about. And I know that, uh, you know, in your paper, you talk about this, the necessity of practice matches yep. and, and, and doing that. Because um, it's, it's, it seems to me we've almost gotten to a place within our tennis development system where we're teaching people skills, but not necessarily recognizing that competing in itself is a skill. And it's yes. sort of sort of like the, the the test that you have put all this together. How do you? Is there a formal way that you do that in practice? Is there a system that you use for practice matches so to help your players prepare and also deal with some of these things that they've identified? So, one thing we do 
we try to compete a lot in practice, right? We try to play whether it's practice sets, whether we try to, you know, play baseline games, cross-court games, volley games, you know, you know all the drills, but we will try to keep score because um, we that's what you kind of do when you play. You do keep score, right? And, you know, unless you're reaching a certain level, we're going to ask you to, to call the score because in most matches, until you're playing at a super high level, you got to call the score. And you, you have to let people know what the score is, even if you're down 3-5 or 1540 or whatever it is. <clears throat> And just getting in the habit of calling the score. Okay. Um, but in doing all of that with especially with the team, um, we're not writing it down anywhere. There's a, a, a number of times where I won't know who won the set. I may ask, hey, what's what's the score? Because I want to know, oh, you're up five two. Let me see how you handle this scenario, right? Because you might have four or five courts going on in practice. I'm not writing down going, okay, Susie beat, you know, Katie 6-3, you know, that kind of stuff. It's more like, okay, what's what's going on in this in this set? How are you, how are you playing? How are you competing? What are your reactions like? Um, you know, where then you start to create hopefully some of that, you know, whether it's intrinsic motivation of like, I, I want to do well. Um, I'm, tr- I'm trying to win the set because we're keeping score. <laughs> I want to win the set. But it's not where, okay, you two are playing and the winner, you know, the winner is better than the loser today. You know, or now you're going to play number three and this one, you know, the loser is going to play number four or anything like that because that, that doesn't allow us to, to, to use practice as a laboratory to, to get a little bit better to, tr- to try things. And part of trying is trying to learn how to compete, right? Like you may, you may actually be working on something competitively that in the short run makes you, doesn't allow you to play very well. You know, if you're focusing on how you're walking and how you're reacting post point and you're putting all your energy into that, you might not really be thinking too clearly about, oh yeah, it's 30 all, you know, this is the pattern that's been working or it's 30 all. I really like to serve, you know, wide here and I'm going to hit into the, you know, what, you know, whatever it is, you might be thinking about, oh yeah, I'm trying to take a deep breath and I'm trying to present a, you know, a positive picture to my opponent. (laughs) Oops. I just lost another point. Whoops. And, And, you know, but that's, you know, that, that's okay. So, you know, that, that's how we're working on, on, competing you know so competing isn't necessarily about i won hence i'm competing well i lost hence i'm competing poorly it's more about okay um this is what this is what for me being a good competitor looks like um so how how ready am i to to play this you know the next point right because again no one's no one's sitting there going i'm going to try I'm going to lose this point. You know, that's, that's what I'm going to try to do. That's, you know, so. Absolutely. No, I I really like that about getting into the present moment and being, being ready for that next point. 
Um, I know, I know you talked about um, doing, you know, doing visualization, talking about routines, talking about uh, mindfulness and some of these things, but also not being so caught up in just thinking about, you know, your in-between point or your body language that you totally lose sight of the the strategy that you're trying to go about. Um, Would you say that you guys spend um, a good amount of time reviewing um, matches and, and, and training after the fact to, to try to improve for the future? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're lucky. We, we have a video system on all six of our indoor and outdoor courts. Um, so it's, it's super easy to, to video. It's super easy then for me to, to both have the player come in and maybe look at something that we've cut up um, or for, for, for me to look at something and going, is that really what I saw? Is that, Hey, that was pretty good. Um, you know, the, and that's, we, we try to be in using video, um, we try to be super specific with what what we're looking at and what we're working on. I think that, again, the danger with video is it's so easy to pick apart. Well, this could have been better. This could have been better. This could have been better. Versus, hey, you know, did you you know did you see how you played that pattern? Hey, did you see how you you reacted post point? You know that you know that part was really good. Um, you know, and then again, I, you know, I don't mean to, you know, gloss over, Hey, how's your body language here? Is that, is that someone who's showing that they're really ready for the next point? You, you know, um, are you, by doing this in practice, are you making your teammate better? Um, so, you know, sort of, sort of doing that and, and, you know, talking a little bit. And, and then that's, again, in talking where the individual work comes in too, because you, you kind of get to know your players a little bit, who can, who can use video well. Because um, there's some players, it, no, matter what, no matter what you do with video, it's not very productive because they just obsess over what, maybe what they're not doing right or, you know, how they look and, you know, you're working on, you're working on one thing and they're looking at, you know, the, the position of their right toe on, you know, as they're loading for their forehand, you know, "Mm, it might not be exactly what we're focusing on right now. We're not really worried about the technique on your forehand, you know, worried a little bit more about, you know, this or that. There's other times, yeah, where you're working on technique, um, where, you know, that person does, has a great time with video. Um, so, you know, that's where you, you can use it, but you have to know your players. Yeah. It's interesting about the video. It makes me think of, um, Anson Dorrance, the women's soccer coach at UNC and his, his philosophy of only showing positive highlights yep. when it comes to video, you know, especially with, with female athletes. And I think we've seen that in some other, other studies. So, so Bob, you've been a coach for both men and women at the college level. Um, What do you think are the most important elements from a a female college tennis player for mental toughness to be successful 
in you know Division One in the Ivy League, you guys have been ranked in the top fifty numerous times. So, what what does it take? Do you think to be to be a mentally tough female college tennis player? Uh, I would say the number one thing is being able to accept the outcome. Being able to accept the outcome of it's okay to lose a match as long as you can sort of look back and say, I, I did the, you know, I really competed the best I could on that given day, right? We'd all like to have the outcome of, of we want to win, but so does the other person. So if you can accept like, and, and that what that begins to do is put away the fears of, well, what are people going to say because I lost this match? You know, um, and I think that that kind of that's the number one thing. If you can just sort of accept the outcome and just lay it out on the line, do the you know sort of do the best that you have that day, because um, the reality is, especially in college tennis, it's not professional tennis. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of times where we're, we're not perfect, where, you know, sometimes we play Friday night matches, you know, we play Friday at six or Friday at five and you, you were an exam, you took an exam until 3 PM. Mm. Well, if you're playing pro tennis, you're sorry, you're not doing that. Right. <laughs> you know, you just, and, and you got crushed in that exam. Right. And, you know, you, you know, you've had every, you know, you know, you've had, I've had every scenario occur, you know, in the, you know, coaching, coaching college tennis with like, okay. And those are the things you just can't control. But what you then can control is like, all right, you know, I'm at 50%, but how close to my 50% did I play? Right. Did I still, did I still compete? Did I still try to, to, to think that I still try to project in a certain way. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, there's just, there's, there's things that are outside of our control, but that, that would be the number one thing is playing sort of saying without fear, without worry of like, um, you know, any of the ramifications, um, you know, never, if you can go into the match and, and then you say, Hey, I didn't, you know, knowing your teammates then sort of support you and love you. Um, and you, you played for, you know, you played for Dartmouth. Um, well, Hey, there's no, you have nothing to hang your head about, right? If you, you gave it your best effort and, and you were there and, you know, you lost the three all match. Oh, well, you know, isn't that, you know, isn't that, isn't that exciting that you got to be out on the court in that three all match? Right. Isn't that super exciting? You know, you got to be the decider. Right. Hey, isn't it exciting that you got the, you know, you got the fourth point in a, in a, you know, a four O match or a seven O match. Hey, isn't that cool? And all that stuff, you know, doesn't really change. Um, and trying to, you know, trying to push that fear away, trying to, you know, trying to say, okay, um, I'm doing what I, what I'm going to do best within this scenario. Um, you know, cause I, I think 
and that goes back to practice that goes back to, to, you know, sort of goal, you know, what we're doing, you know, day to day. Um, Cause I, I think one of the things that's way more important on the tennis end is knowing what you can do and how you can play and what you want to do and how you want to execute and less so from a tactical standpoint, what the other person that you're playing against can and can't do. Yeah. You're going to make, you know, adjustments within that, but if you, you know, you're sitting there going, you know, you're worrying so much about what the other person can and can't do, but you're not really thinking about what you can do. You know, it's a much tougher way to play. So, absolutely, um, and I, I really like that point about helping players to um, to 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 not focus so much just on the result, um, yeah. and to to be able to let go of that and focus on doing the right things and controlling, really controlling the controllables. Um, yeah. Would you say that you find that players maybe? you know, they come in as a freshman, maybe they have a little bit tougher time accepting that. And then as they go along their college career, it becomes a little bit easier. Yeah. I, I mean, for sure. Um, you know, I think, I, I think some of that, I think some of that depends, you, you know, that you get people at different stages because, um, you know, a red, a red flag, uh, I'll put it this way, a red flag for me is when a player's asking me, hey, is that a good win? Is that, you know, is that a kid I should, you know, should I beat this person? Like, I don't know, you know. Like, and that's, you know, that's a person who unfortunately has been taught to worry about who they're playing in a sense. And all those then external factors. So that's a person you have to do. That's going to take a longer and harder journey to be able to really stay in the moment and divorce all that stuff of, well, you know, this is a good win or a bad loss. I should beat this person. I've never beaten this person, you know, whatever it is um, versus, okay, I'm, I'm just going to play each point someone will tell me when the match is over. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that, you know, you're, you're hoping in the, in the, the four years time that they keep getting better at that ability to stay in the moment. Um, you know, certainly you're, you know, you're maturing between 18 and 22. So it is a little easier to, to, to learn how to breathe. It is a little easier to, to learn how to, you know, push, push that stuff away and, and stay, you know, sort of really focused, um, you know, but by the, you know, the same token is sometimes players get now towards the end of their career in college and they struggle a little bit because they want to do well, so well for the team, right. It's really flipped. They're no longer, all right, I could care less, you know, about my ranking, my results. I just want, I just want to win this match for, for, for the women on my team. And that, then that gets in the way. Well, what do you, you know, and it's, so then it goes back to like, well, what are you thinking about? I'm thinking about winning for my team, you know, and you get a kid who's by that time who's, you know, a senior and they'll start to laugh a little bit like, yeah, I guess that's, 
probably not what I need to be doing. Okay. And, you know, then you hopefully can, you know, sort of give them some, some ideas to go back to, to sort of get through that. Cause it is a little, right. It's a little different. It's a little different, you know, being outside of the bullseye kind of thing, you know, where, you know, I want to win, I want to win, I want to win versus, well, I, I just want to win for the team and, you know, how that shifts. But um, so, yeah. So, yeah, they do, Josh, get a little bit better, hopefully, at, at playing each point. Yeah, that's good. And I think, uh, you know, the thing that's challenging for a college coach is really you, you have a different team every year. You've yep. got, you're bringing in a new class and, uh, you know, you have – three classes that know the system more or less. And then you've got another class that has to learn that stuff all over again. So it's almost like you're going through it year after year after year with all of these players. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, and I, but, and I also think in saying that is as a coach, you're always sort of evolving, changing, updating, mm. um, you know, you know, so it's never, it's never the same, even if the team is the same, right. You right. know, you, you, you may, you know, as a coach, you're hopefully you're continuing to evolve. You're continuing to think about different things, um, ways to, you know, maybe be a little bit more efficient with what you're, you're communicating, you know, how you're, how you're doing things, you know, you, you know, I think one of the things that's very, very valuable in putting together a, our team and this goes back to your, you know, some of the team culture questions is our, our meetings that I have individually with players kind of at the end of the fall and the end of the spring, and maybe even the end of the winter where you, you start to ask them, well, what do we, what do we need to add? What do we need to subtract? Mm -hmm. What's, what's something that's really, really helpful that we're doing what are your suggestions for Dartmouth women's tennis? You know, and you begin to see little, you know, certain, you know, maybe themes or patterns that are showing up and you're like, okay, yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we went a little too far this way or we went a little too far this way. Yeah. We need to bring it back to this or we need to focus on, on being a little bit more competitive within practice, you know? Okay. You know, I, I know, you know, just going into 2020-21, you know, we, the, the women last year talked a lot about, hey, let's do more green and white stuff. You know, let's do more inter-squad stuff. We need to create sort of that competitive environment within ourselves, but within that, like, so then like a small team environment. Um, so, you know, we were, we were going to do that. Don't know how that's going to work in 2020-21 with, with a pandemic, but that's, that's a different, that's a different challenge. Yeah. That reminds me of something that really probably comes more out of the organizational psych stuff is, you know, stop, start, continue reviews yep. for teams. Right. And that's, that's a perfect uh, example of, of how to use that. And something that I think um, lots of coaches would find is a valuable tool. And, and again, you're also making it autonomy supportive, right, Bob, because yep. you're, you're getting the feedback of the players in that. Yep. And, and Again, I would say that whole autonomy piece is something that I bring up to players in the recruiting process um, of, hey, when you're 18 to 22, it's becoming your tennis. OK, 
Okay, it's not my tennis. It's not your coach's tennis. It's not your parents' tennis. It's your tennis. So think about like where you want your tennis to go. Think about what type of player you want to be. Think about what type of competitor you want to be. Think about your game and what you want to, you personally want to work on, what you want to get better at. Okay. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll, 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 you know, work together. Yeah. I'm going to give you some input and go, well, you know, you, you know, this is really good or, or, you know, you, you struggle with this shot or, um, you know, whether it's, Hey, you, you, you know, we did a little thing this past year where we chart, we were able to chart all their matches and say, Hey, during the year, your first serve percentage was 50%. You know, do you think it would, you know, do you think it would help if you raised your first serve percentage a little bit? Your first serve win percentage was this. And your second serve win, win, win percentage was this. Do you see how maybe if we flip things a little bit, how you could be a little bit more, you know, effective? Yeah, okay. You know, th- those, those kind of things, you know, where they may generically say, well, you know, I just, I, I, you know, I want, to, I want to improve my serve. What does that mean, right? So, um, so they, you know, those are, those are things that we're always trying to think about. That's good. So as, as we wrap up here, I just want to check, Josh, is there anything else that you wanted to cover with Bob today? That's, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's pretty much it. We touched on um, your background, touched on um, coaching philosophy, coaching style, um, the dissertation as well. Um, some of, you know, the challenges going on right now with COVID and everything. So um, as, as far as I'm concerned, that's and anything else you wanted to cover, Brian? No, I think that's good. So, Bob, we want to thank you for joining us today. I think that was really great. I learned a lot of a lot of things there that I think are very practical and usable. Um, so, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Well, Ryan and Josh, thank you. Appreciate you having me on, and uh, look forward to 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 staying in touch. Okay, Josh. I don't know about you, but I thought there was a ton of great stuff. In that conversation, so I'm, I'm curious if there were a few any any highlights for you. Yeah, I think a lot of takeaways there. I think uh, I think our our listeners will definitely get a lot of value out of that. Um, w- one of the big takeaways is that um, obviously college tennis is a team environment and really a team sport where people are used to um, playing tennis in an individual way, playing just for themselves. And that uh, in college tennis, your negativity on your court, even if you don't think it affects you, it actually can definitely affect the people around you and can even, in certain cases, cause, um, can impact them in terms of the score. They can be penalized. Um, So that was a big takeaway. And I I really liked also how he talked about um, how part of their team culture is that it's encouraged to celebrate um, to, to celebrate wins and celebrate uh, even points won during practice. Um, so if somebody wins a point against a teammate, to to cheer and to say, come on, let's go, vamos, whatever it may be, and uh, which is very different from a lot of teams where the players are friends. And because they're close, they almost feel uncomfortable at times, it seems, to, um, to, cheer, to cheer and to celebrate against each other. So I really like that... Um, that that's a big part of their team culture, that positive response training. And I think that has a lot to do with those positive responses and that 
there's positive emotions coming out um, in matches when they compete. Um, And I think if you, if you watch the Dartmouth women's team perform, you'll see this happen. I've seen them play several times and um, you know what, what Bob's doing there and what he says is it really comes out on the court. There's not a lot of negativity there. That positive response training really works. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I and I think uh, I'm glad you pointed out sort of the how the negativity can be contagious to courts, right? I think that's really the almost like the phenomenon that he's discussing there is that it's it can be a contagion among courts, which we don't want, um, and we want to make sure that we realize that. I I just just thought there were so many good things here that uh, I ended up going back and and listening to the interview again and, and taking some notes. And uh, so I figured what I would do today is offer our listeners, if you are interested in the notes that I took, just send us an email at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com, and we will be happy to share share those notes with you uh, because I, I just thought there was just so much good stuff here. Absolutely. And uh, hope some of you uh, take us up on that offer. Again, sending that email to podcast at gmail.com. And you can also email us with any questions that you'd like us to address in future episodes about, um, about the mental side of tennis, um, about sports psychology and tennis in general, from our perspective. Um, again, you can also use the, uh, the hashtag, hashtag tennis IQ on Twitter. Um, you can follow us on Instagram on our Instagram page. We've been posting for each episode. So thanks again to Bob Dallas for joining us today. And thank you for tuning in to the Tennis IQ podcast. Make sure to subscribe on your platform of choice. And we have episodes coming out every week. A lot of great interviews and future episodes coming up.